This is Object to This, and I said, Attorney Fancast. I'm Stephanie. Honey, I'm home in the year before our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ existed. I'm Jesse. Like this pure white dress, I'm still waiting for this wedding to happen. I'm Michelle, and I'm Drew Barrymore from Fifty First Dates, like the Adam Sandler movie. <laughs> no, not that one. No, not that one. Yeah, not that. No, the, that yeah. One. Not all those other Adam Sandler dates, Drew Barrymore, Adam Sandler movies. The the one with no that the one, one with Hawaii and the brother on steroids and the memory loss issues. <laughs> yeah, that one. Uh, before we start, uh, we are actually keeping our word, and we're going to do the bonus case from Spirit of Justice. Yeah. Uh, but before that, is there any news? Oh, shit. I don't think so. I assume I don't, not. I, honestly, it's, we're like so far in the drought. Like Sometime the Ace Attorney anime number two is going to come up, and then I haven't checked the email, so I don't know if anyone got me them latent hookups. They sure didn't. I checked the email. They sure did Guys, didn't. I need you to, like, I need you for this. I need me some latent anime subs. I hear Leighton shows up. What? And also... I couldn't find it either. And also Luke. And also um, Ace Attorney versus Leighton is, like, even more canon than it was before because of this case. Huh. That's bizarre. No, so um, theoretically, the the only news here is going to be that the staff, um, like Shu Takumi and, and Peeps, are going to be at Anime Expo. So we might get some news. That's the only news. Well, when, maybe we'll get some news. When's Anime Expo? July six. Okay. Okay. So potentially next maybe. month, we'll, or somebody will at least have a picture of Shu Takumi, and we can call that news. <laughs> yeah, Go- Doctor Google will have a picture of Shu Takumi. Uh, we could have watched E3 with them. Spoilers, why would we waste time watching E3? <laughs> we didn't get shit. Says you and I who both watched E3. We watched some E3 and it was not by choice. I mean, we were, we were, um, it happened to us. I suppose you're right. I suppose you're right there. Uh, yeah, no, that's it. Uh, as far, it's all laden news in the feed. Going back to May. Yeah. That's all we got. That's all we got. So, yep, that's all the news. Um, thanks, Court Records, at least, for trying. They're doing their best, just like we are. Just like we are. So, um, we got a couple emails uh, in reference to the whale case, uh, which was mostly like, hey, the whale case was a good time. All right? Yeah. Were, we, good were we mean? No, we weren't mean. Oh, it was okay. just like, yeah, yeah, that was a fun case. That was basically the, the response. Um we have a new listener uh, who wants to be called. Oh, hold on. Let me open this email. It's a very long email. Um, uh, she wants to be known as the OG Mask the Mask. Uh, <laughs> very good. Um, she she has a lot of she has a lot of um, she like gave us the basic rundown, and we don't need to go into all of her stuff. We'll talk about you next time, but. Uh, her opinions on the whale case was uh, something that I kind of didn't, didn't go into, which was, like, uh, Sasha, Sasha, she would be very personality split, like how we get with Emma and her, like, hey, I love science, too. I'm a grumpy person with snackoos. You got that, like, very clear right. distinction personality flip. Sasha does that, too, with 
Arr, I be a pirate because I'm a good actor and this is what I do. <laughs> and being a like, ha ha ha, like, hey, we just gotta keep it together. Um, and then uh, also was a thought that Sasha's very into like this punk music like aesthetic. And then oh, we yeah, have yeah. Rhymes who's really into his rap music aesthetic. So she thought the whole thing was going to be like music and pirates. And then it kind of just stopped after those two characters. And the other note she had was she likes that Dr. Herman Crabb was a uh, like a fake out villain because he could potentially have been the villain, but now he's just a grumpy old man, <laughs> which I also appreciate in him. Which I have to say, after playing this case, and for those of you who are going to turn out for Spoiler Town, I'm not going to spoil it too bad, but right now, but later I will. Um, so the the time travel case is much more back to the Ace Attorney formula. Um, which, not for nothing, they try to convince me. You know how in the Ace Attorney town, you see a dude and you're like, it's him. This is <laughs> yeah. him. It is this one. Well, they did that with this one where you see the dude and you're like, oh, hello, the murderer. How are you today? Uh, and then they try really hard to, for the rest of the game to like convince you that it's not that guy that you thought. And then it doesn't work because it is totally that guy that you thought. <laughs> yeah, I have the same thing written down in my notes. <laughs> Uh, yeah, well, like, you know, let's call him Sephiroth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. Sephiroth, you don't did the thing. <laughs> anyway, I think we're ready for Spoiler Town, then. Uh, I think so, yeah. Um, no, one has, you know, no one gave us notes on this case, as far as I can remember or find, so take me away. <sighs> okay, let me set, let's set the scene it's the case, case opener. It's you're on a boat, some sort of big ship. You get the vibe like in Anastasia, the movie, like when they're on the boat and it's all foggy and shit. And uh, and then it's like Anastasia. It's kind of like Anastasia meets Tarzan is the vibe I'm going for as far as animated movies. Um, this dude who looks extremely evil, like a snidely whiplash style villain, <laughs> <laughs> comes up and is gonna throw. Throw the, the this girl into the ocean and this time machine also in the ocean. But she wishes on her steampunk necklace that she could return to, and I quote, that time. Take me back to that time. And and so she, and so the cutscene and ends with like like there's a flash and then she's being attended to by a maid and um and she's like, Oh my god, it worked, I traveled through time. <laughs> <laughs> and I, and so my assumptions at this point are like, oh, we're in like Victorian era. We're being attended by maidservants. We're on a boat and shit. Well, that's wrong. Stop thinking. <laughs> Stop thinking it immediately. Cut to the office. Um, Trucy, my sweet baby girl, does all of the accounting and QuickBooks for the entire <laughs> office. Apollo can't do that. He can't be bothered. I guess Apollo, he's gone. Polly's gone. <laughs> Do you think he did it before, or Trucy's been doing it the whole time? Trucy's been doing it the whole time. I think Maybe she's been Polly doing it him. the helped whole time. Also, she does like everything, and uh, clearly never goes to school because she has to run a small business. Yeah, but she and Athena are planning a show. I would watch. Yeah, they're they're. She's currently like Polly's gone. I this happens after the Spirit of Justice main game um so she's like polly's gone i need a new assistant thena you're conscripted and you're tougher than him so i can light you on fire (laughs) (laughs) and phoenix is essentially like well uh that's where we get the money so go ahead and do it Thena. (laughs) like no contest go help with the magic show i need some cheddar 
Um, meanwhile, everyone's favorite character shows up. Um, Stephanie can Maya? You know? Is it Maya? Not yet. Does Godot show up? <laughs> no, not yet. He's dead, probably. <laughs> uh, Simon Blackwell. Take another guess. The, okay, let me rephrase that. The person you want to murder the most shows up. <laughs> It, That's not Sparks the, Brushel. Does it smell? Does yeah. something yeah, smell? Oh, Mom, something it, smells all right. It's always the butts. Yeah. So anyway, Larry busts in the room, and he's like, very Larice Denim right now. Like, he's got a fake mustache for when he's Larice. It's weird. And he's wearing the most hideous jacket you've ever seen in your goddamn life. <laughs> I'm now, pretty sure we've talked about it. I've that seen jacket. a picture of this jacket because yeah. I know we've talked about it, but please just repaint me a, a, a picture here. So it's his regular orange color jacket, but it's covered in this in hearts, but the hearts are cartoon characters with faces and arms and legs and little angel halos and little angel wings. Oh god, I forgot how bad it was. <laughs> yeah, so, um, and I don't remember the name of this character. Let me see if it's in my notes um my notes are bad for the start of this case <laughs> i take more detailed notes later but it's like it's something like cute it's a cupid type character but we'll get into that later anyway larry Buston, he's like he's like nick i need your help and nick's like hey i haven't seen you in years what's up larry what do you need and he's like you're i need you to help me with my wedding I'm getting married. And also my bride is on the run from the police. And Phoenix is like, the fuck are you talking about? (laughs) So, like, after the bullshit banter, he's like, and she's right outside this door. And in comes this lady who's, like, her hair is really pulled back and nice. She's in this full-ass wedding dress, got the bouquet still, veil and everything. And she's like, there's been a terrible mistake. I'm not marrying this fuck. I'm actually already married to somebody else, and he promised me that he would help me escape from the cops, so I ran away with him. Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> Larry, how did you fuck up that bad that fast? Yeah, meanwhile, Athena sees, like, on the news that there's somebody's been murdered, and the cops are coming, and then meanwhile, she looks out the window, and she's like, um, there's about eight billion police cars <laughs> <laughs> and, and Phoenix is like, Larry, what have you done? And so Emma busts in. We get enough to know that the bride, before Emma busts in, we get enough to know that the bride says that she's been accused of clubbing someone to death at her wedding reception. Um, oh, she was clubbing all right. <laughs> yeah, she introduces herself as a domestic servant also. So I'm still like... Wow, this is the time travel case. She traveled back in time from, like, Victorian era or something. No, stop. You're wrong. <laughs> yeah. Larry, being an imbecile, believed she was going to marry him if he helped her escape. It's not Because she was wearing a wedding dress. I'm sorry. I don't think you could hear this in the mic. Let me get closer. <laughs> I hope that that picked up, yeah. That was yeah. me hitting my forehead. <laughs> so... Emma busts in and Phoenix is like, hey, Emma, what's like, what's up? And she's like, we've we're chasing a dangerous fugitive here. Um, And he's like, yeah, like, it's fine. She's not dangerous or whatever. And Emma's like, no, Larry said he had a bomb. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So you're like, Larry, you stupid motherfucker. (laughs) 
<laughs> what have you done? So anyway, they take um, um, I forgot to say her name is Ellen, the defendant. I think I forgot to say that the bride. Yeah. Her name is Ellen. Ellen Wyatt. Okay. Um. So anyway, they take Ellen off to prison. Wait, is there a Larry... pun there at all? There's no pun there, right? That's there just has a name. To be. Keep going. I'll look it up. I don't think there's a pun there, but there's puns later, so stay tuned. Okay. Um, so they take her off to jail. Larry's like, you have to help her. You have to help her so we can elope together. And, and Phoenix is like, you're deluded. You're, stop. Like, just stop, Larry. You made everything worse. Um, but take me to the reception hall, <laughs> basically. <laughs> um, he, he does agree to defend her. I don't know if we visit her in prison first or not. I think we do, actually. So we go with Larry to prison, and, and she explains that she was... The guy was attacking her um, on the deck of where the reception hall is, and um, and he he she like tried to fight back, but then somebody else appeared behind him. She made a wish on the pendant, and then she traveled back in time to before the reception happened, and the reception happened again. So she did the reception again, and then when she, as being a maid, she's marrying into. The household she's a maid for, which is the Sprocket Aviation household, which is like some sort of big uh, aerospace company, right? So she's marrying the heir to the Sprocket Aviation family. But as her last duty as maid, she agreed to help clean up after the reception. Her own reception. Wow. In (laughs) her wedding dress. In her wedding dress. So she's cleaning up and she knocks over... um, she discovers the body. She like knocks something over and the body's there and they see her standing next to the body and they're like, well, she did it. And so that's when she had to run. Um, so she ran away and Larry and whatever. So anyway, you, you're touched by her story and you agree to, to defend her. Uh, we, we being Phoenix and who's our, is Athena our assistant? Trucy? Right now, our assistant is Larry Larry. right now. This is the worst. I'm (laughs) fucking awful. Continue. Okay. So you, you're like, Larry, come on, let's go to the reception hall. So he takes you to this park. Um, there's a big ass blimp in the park. (laughs) A dirigible is parked in the park. It's great. It's a, Stephanie, it's literally a dirigible. But why? So the dirigibles park there, and you get to the park, and Larry's like, some hot babes! And he pieces out. Oh, thank God. <laughs> so Phoenix looks around. He's like, there's a sign that has a map of the park and, like, a park bench, and both of them are, like, busted in the corner because there were high winds the other day. Um, so Phoenix is like, huh, I wonder when Larry's going to come back and take me to the real reception hall. And Larry comes back, and Phoenix is like, what happened to being in love with Ellen, you stupid fuck? <laughs> And Larry's like, you know, gotta chase them when they're there. And then he's like, take me to the reception hall, Larry. And Larry's like, you're looking at it, dog. It's this big dirigible. It's called the Flying Chapel. Boo. <laughs> the steampunk dirigible is the reception hall. Um, And then a, a red sports car shows up, Stephanie. How douchey is the sports car? It's It's very douchey. How bad is the CGI on this red sports car? Well, we don't. It just kind of appears. We don't get like a cutscene or anything. It just we have the still of the park, and then we have another still where the car's there. <laughs> <laughs> so, and if it had a CGI entrance that we've seen before, was it that bad? 
Um, you yeah, think it, maybe. It, you, is it Miles? Well, maybe you think, because then a question, question, question appears and says, ah, right, we meet again. But it's Maya. Wait, what? <laughs> yeah. So Maya's like, hey, Phoenix, what's up? I got a call from Larry saying he eloped, and I knew something was up, so I came immediately. In this red sports car? Well. Well, then you turn around and Edgeworth's there. Oh, okay. <laughs> and Phoenix is like, Edgeworth, what's this? Are you chauffeuring for Maya now? And Edgeworth is like, no, she literally jumped into traffic in front of my car <laughs> and got into it. My girl! <laughs> <laughs> and forced me to bring her here. <laughs> Maya's the best. <laughs> my girl! So you're like, okay, then, Edgeworth, what are you doing here? And Edgeworth is like, well, Larry called me and said he was getting eloped. But more importantly, the Sprocket family has experienced a murder in their household and from a murderer, and uh, they were trying to cover it up and pressure the prosecution's office to not take the case, and literally everyone who works for me would not take the case. So here he is. So here I am, Miles Edgeworth, on the streets, prosecuting again. <laughs> Back to his roots. Mm-hmm. Sorry, high prosecutor. Gotta walk down your 13 flights of stairs back with yeah. his commoners. So he he takes Larry, grabs Larry by the ear, and drags him away for questioning. <laughs> that's the bitch. best part that happens here. <laughs> that's the best thing you've said. That's not. Well, that's like the second best thing you've said so far. No, but favorite part about all of the Larry interaction is the fact that neither Athena nor Trucy know who Larry is. Well, good. But Trucy does know Larry's book, The Franzi's Whippity Whip Trip. I thought it was Franzi's Whiplash Splash, whatever. Well, he, change, he, he of either name. changed or he wrote a second one. Um, but that's his, the Whippity Whip one is like his only bestseller and he's still doing children's books, but they're all bad and they're all about this Cupid character who's really, um, whose only fan base is like Wine Moms. Larry would appeal to Wine Moms, I guess. Larry would not appeal to anyone, Josie. <laughs> I mean, I'm trying. He Stop. Why? Why would you defend him? I don't know. I hate him. <laughs> <laughs> so, the best thing is, Miles, Miles takes him away. So now we have Maya, right? Yes. Yeah. So now we have Maya, and um, we... We have Maya. We go inside to investigate the reception hall. It's, like, really nice and fancy. There's a big old window. Emma's there. Um, Maya and Emma seem really friendly, which is weird because they I don't think they've ever met. Have we considered that? I have a note here that says, have they ever actually met? Because they met in crime. They, I mean, only because Emma was there to arrest her. But I think... I think we are to assume we've never they've never met before Spirit of Justice to in front of players. So anything that happened had to be assumed. Yeah, I mean I guess. It's just it was just a really interesting thing because what like when? Cuz every time you hang out with Emma it's cuz Maya's not there. Right. I'm trying to think really hard. And yeah, never on screen have we really had them hang out. So it was really hard, I remember, because Emma had to give testimony. Who did she have to give testimony against Spirit Justice? Was it Maya? Trucy. No, Trucy. Okay. Yeah. That's what was hard for her. So sorry, I was getting those confused. 
But uh, Maya's in Karine at that time. Yeah. I don't th- I don't think Emma was there to arrest Maya. You know, the time Maya and Spirit of Justice got arrested. Yeah, I mean, it just is like, it must be, it maybe it happened while she was in custody. Arrest, but she was there, Emma was there to do forensic stuff. But, yeah, so this is a situation where we have to assume that Fannin has it correct, which is, you know, Emma's only, only family was arrested and put in jail, and she probably hung around Phoenix's office a lot when she was lonely and sad, and Maya probably stopped around. Yeah, because we can fill the games. Like you, like Fannin has to fill in the gaps there. Because yeah. Because also, like, why wouldn't they be friends? They're like the same age. <laughs> yeah. Like they're they're both the great adorable people. Like it just has to be filled in, I guess, through the gaps. But yeah, so I guess like they just kind of went off of like, yeah, you could assume that they're friendly. Yeah. So, like, it's fine. I just, it was offhand. I was like, oh, wow, they're being playful and shit. Like, they know each other, but I don't, you know, whatever. Um, so anyway, Emma tells you that the police's theory of the case is that Ellen was attacked by the, the victim who was the, um, one of the servants, one of the head servants, like, essentially her boss. Um, who, his name is Dumas Gloomsbury. I just need to pause for that because it's, not a name. Okay, I was like, "Where is the pot? There's no doom and gloom. <laughs> yeah, this the. In I fact, the other say that they say the other servants called him Mister Doom and Gloom oh. because he was all doom and gloom. But anyway, Very. since um, the police's theory is that since she's a lowly maid who is going to be brought up in status by marrying the heir to the Sprocket Aviation like company that doom and gloom was jealous um and then she killed him um when he tried to attack her in jealousy and like in self-defense and then he died um and the murder weapon is a big clock shaped like a shaped like the blimp that the reception hall is in um that has secret functions because Larry's involved. I so said, did Larry make this clock it also? Has to be. No, he did no. not. Okay. Um, but the clock was like given as a gift to the couple, as and they say that is so they could always travel back in time to this happy day, and it's called the Timekeeper. Okay. Yeah, and and so anyway, we find the body was actually stuffed. So the Sprocket Aviation Company has a mascot because it's an Ace Attorney game. <laughs> the, the mascot is called a Pegamoo. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. So there's there's Pega bulls and Pega cows, which of course are bulls and cows that are also Pegasi. Um, so. <laughs> In the reception hall, which is, of course, owned by Sprocket Aviation, there are decorative lanterns, like paper lanterns with the wood scaffolding, um, but, like, huge, um, like, bigger than a person, much bigger than a person. And so there's a pegamoo and a pegabull of this lantern that sit next to the head table, and they're the mascots or whatever. Anyway, these the body was found stuffed inside the Pega Bull lantern, which was then busted because there's a dead guy in it. And he fell out. Yeah. And you notice that there's hey, there's two Pega Bulls in this reception hall and no Pega cows, even though there's supposed to be, because the pamphlet for the flying cathedral has uh has a Pega cow and a Pega moo because 
heterosexuality, right? Am I right? Boo. Anyway. Boo. So there's reception hall, though. Everything is steampunk as fuck. Everything is, like, the most steampunk thing you've ever seen. There's actually these two big old boilers on either side of the room that are fog machines that are full of dry ice. So that they can have, like, this dramatic-ass dry ice, like, cloud walking thing happened. Um, And then behind the head table, there's this huge window. And out the huge window is called the Vista Deck. And that is, it's like an open deck. And that's where she was attacked. It wasn't a boat. It was this flying airship. <laughs> Even though the cutscene looked like a boat. Oh, okay. She didn't say boat. It, we just thought it was a boat. It just looked like a boat because it was foggy and shit. But I thought it was a boat because everything's Victorian. Except it's not. <laughs> it's steampunk. It's, not. it's just steampunk. Um. Anyway, there's also, so the dead bodies in there. There's blood on his hand, but blood nowhere else because it was blunt force trauma that killed him. Mm. And then uh, there's a note next to the body, and the, the note says, Grab Ellen when convenient and send her off from the Vista deck. Maya has developed magical forensics expertise in handwriting and identifies that it was written by a right-handed person. Maya, you don't know that. She's been hanging out with Emma, apparently, enough to pick this up. She picked this up really good and also will pick up other things about handedness later. For some reason, Maya is our expert in handedness. Because she's left-handed, we learn. I was like, how would we have known that? I'm like, we couldn't, they're sprites. (laughs) Yeah. And then, okay, so, and then you do a little more investigating and you see on the table, there's a business card holder that looks like a wallet and it's Larry's because it literally has his face on it. Gross. Yeah. So we're leaving. We're done here. Found all the things. We're going to leave. And you see this mysterious anime boy <laughs> <laughs> with the blue hair. Who's uh, damn. Like I was going to ask to guess the color. He's <laughs> an anime boy. Of course it's blue hair. It's either blue or really red. No, or it's fire. Blue. He's like wearing, fire tone. He's, he is wearing a red double-breasted steampunk coat with, like, a meter in the middle that's attached, goes around back to, like, this backpack he's got that's made out of air compression tubes. You know what I mean? Like, tanks, yeah. air tanks. Yeah. And he's just the most steampunk sh- shit you've ever seen in, like, a page boy cap and everything. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, he takes out, he he has this notebook, and he scribbles in it, and he takes it out and makes a paper airplane and then throws it at you. And then disappears. And so you're like, the, what the hell was that? You open it and it just says, go away. <laughs> or it's just like, get out. A plus. A plus kid. And Well, he's like an adult kid. Um, he's younger than Phoenix, but he's like an adult. And yeah. this is, so you learn that this is like, this is Soren Sprocket. This is the husband. And he only talks in like muttering adventure, inventing talk. Like, like. You know, dumb buzzwords. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. And like math. Ew. Um, so anyway, he doesn't want to talk about Ellen. You like corner him and he doesn't want to talk about Ellen. You're like, hey, I'm the, I'm representing your wife, lady. Like, don't, what are you doing? And he doesn't want to talk. So you present to him. Remember I said she makes a wish on her steampunk pendant? Yeah. So it's like a gear with other little gears in it. So you show him the pendant and you tell him about the time travel and he's like, he finally starts to listen to you. And he says, like, that's impossible. That pendant can't travel through time alone. 
What do you mean alone? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, what do, you, what do you mean alone? And he's like, it's actually a piece of the timekeeper, and the timekeeper is actually the time machine, and the pendant's part of it, and it can't work on its own, and he doesn't really care. He doesn't really seem to care about Alan. <laughs> but before you get any info, um, Steampunk Sephiroth shows up. <laughs> and, he, like, I can't, he just looks like Sephiroth. Let like, me pull it's up the like, picture for you. I have it, like, straight yeah. up. His name is Pierce Nikadi. Nikadi. I'm trying to find the pun there. Um, I'll it's... tell you what I think it is later. Jesse, don't look it up. Um, well, I'm gonna look up a picture, but it's loading, so uh, yeah, please, please verbally describe Sephiroth for so, us. Yeah, Sephiroth is wearing a big, large, double-breasted gray trench coat, and he's got this big old thing on his shoulder that's like a pauldron, but only one shoulder, and it's like got little... It's not spiky, but it's got like sh- stuff jutting out of it. And he's got a pocket watch um, with a red diamond on it that he looks at often. And he's the head butler for the Sprocket household. Uh, and he's the one who, like, keeps track of um, Soren, who is Soren Sprocket is the, the husband. So he, anyway, the butler is like, sorry about Soren. I'm so happy that you're helping us. Come come over to the manor, the Sprocket Manor, and we'll have tea as thanks for defending Ellen. And so you're like, oh, that's awesome. I was like, hell yes. <laughs> yes, I want to go to a mansion for tea. And so you go to the mansion, and it's just straight up Victorian England. Like, there's ladies in the petticoats and petticoats, and then there's a dude with just a top hat on and a three-piece suit. Like, it's just it's just Victorian England in that manner. And then doesn't Maya break something the minute she walks in? Yeah, but first you're like, okay, where's the tea? And he's like, no, I just wanted you out of the public eye. I don't want to give you tea <laughs> rude <laughs> i knew you were gonna question me and i don't want it to be under prying ears um so maya immediately goes in and she's like oh cool antique radio and then immediately drops it <laughs> and it breaks good job maya and so pierce is like oh it's no problem and he just takes it in his little shoulder pauldron thing mm-hmm. um like it becomes a robot that doubles as a phone and it just like fixes it and he's like, oh, yeah, I'm also the director of the repairs department at Sprocket Aviation. And this is my shoulder mech. It's named Fixer Upper. I hate it. <laughs> I looked at a picture of it. So, like, it just looks like a shoulder pauldron. It doesn't look like it's anything else. No, yeah. Um, and when it does the phone thing, like, a little antenna comes up out of it. And it's stupid looking. And he just kind of, like, talks into his shoulder. Dumb. I hate it. Um. So you investigate the manor the a little bit, and there's a picture of a lady on the table working at a desk with, um, she's also got a pocket watch on the desk that's got a little red diamond thing on it. And she's got blue hair like Soren, and um, they say that, she, oh, she's Selena Sprocket, she's the older sister of Soren, and she died in a car accident like a year ago. The, the lady with the blue hair? <laughs> Yeah, so you just find this picture oh, and it's, a picture, it's of her. Okay. a picture of her, yeah. Um, so you find that and you're like, well, this will be important later. <laughs> Duh. Yeah. So, um, and then you, you like ask a random background person. Phoenix is like, I should ask somebody about the weird time travel shit that Ellen kept talking about. So you ask them and they say they haven't the foggiest idea and start getting like really nervous about it. Phoenix knows that they- get that the they, vapors? Like, would you say they, that they start no, Phoenix. Vapors? They don't get the vapors, but Phoenix says that he clammed up faster than a clam. Phoenix, that wasn't good. 
snow. <laughs> but you also find a key card on the floor that has the logo from the Flying Chapel on it. The Pegaboo. Okay, Pegaboo I need logo. a picture of these, Jesse. Okay. The Pegamoos? Yeah. The Pegs. But so you find the key card on the floor though, and it's and somebody's like, oh yeah, that's Ellen's key card, and it lets her into the restricted areas of the chapel. And you're like, hey, wait a sec, why isn't this with Ellen? Yeah. Why? So well, I mean, you're gonna ask about it. Yeah, so. I know. No, I do. I don't have. So you, you start talking to Pierce, and uh, Pierce is like, we didn't get the marriage license before this ceremony, and the so the family doesn't consider the marriage to be legitimate because she's a murderer, and we're gonna try and cut her out of the family. Is what he says basically. <laughs> He just doesn't give a shit. No. And then, so you're like, well, what about time travel? And and uh, he says, well, Soren is really stuck on time travel because of his dead sister. And um, after his sister died in the car accident, he became like a compulsive note taker and stuff. And his like whole personality changed. And he won't do anything except talk about trying to invent time travel. And But before you can ask any more questions... Motherfucking Larry is here. Stephanie Larry is here. Who let him out of his cage because he's not doing fine? He escaped that truth. <sighs> okay, go on. So he's trying to sell his book to like the Sprague family. Fuck you, Larry! <laughs> go on. <laughs> and you're like, hey, Larry, I found your wallet on the chapel. Why the fuck were you there? And because it was the reception was closed, it was closed to just family and servants. So you're like, "Hey, Larry, why you why were you there?" And he runs away. Bitch, you gotta come back here. You got some splaining to do. He does. He's got some splaining to do. Um, to, you chase him to you chase him back to where the the um flying chapel is moored, and you demand to know. You're like, "What did you see? What did you see?" And he in- insists he was never ever on the airship. Until you just bully him until he says, okay, they commissioned me to do a sign because I'm an artist that says, welcome to our wedding. And when he delivered it, he fell in love with Ellen at first sight when she said, thank you. (laughs) 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 And so he was like trying to get into the reception, but it was closed. So he just started wandering around the airship trying to sneak in. And then... He's he shows you he's like, look, I, I got apprehended and I got thrown into a cabin and I drew this picture of the cabin and it is a Larry TM picture. Like, you know exactly what I'm saying. <laughs> That's like admittedly pretty good of like a dresser. It's like a pretty good dresser. And then there's a hatch like on a boat, like a little round window. And in the um, there in the round window, there's. A midnight blue pterodactyl against a black sky <laughs> with a glowing yellow eye. And so he's like, yeah, we totally traveled through time. Look at what I saw out the window when we were traveling through time. Um, but Pierce, the head butler, told me to never speak about this. <laughs> it hurts. <laughs> and then he's like, I was also there. And, and he was like, I was there when Ellie was... Pr- um, prepping the reception for the reception down in the hold and he gives you a photograph that he took while he was hiding behind a table of her like directing uh people to do stuff for the reception and um 
So anyway, like that's it from Larry. And Maya's like, well, I'd like to meet this Ellen lady because she wasn't there at the detention center. So you go back to the detention center and you're going to Pierce is there at the detention center telling her that Soren can't be married to a criminal. So she should forget that this ever happened and the marriage is canceled. He sucks. Well, you get him to you're like, okay, listen here, dog. If you agree that if I can prove her innocent, will you agree to let her back in the family? And he's like, sure, but you can't change the truth. And the truth is she's guilty. And then he like leaves. And so you're like, okay, well, got to prove her innocent. And then you're like, hey, Ellen, what the fuck is up with you standing over the body with the timekeeper, though? Because that needs to be resolved. Mm -hmm. Um, And she's like. I, she was standing over the body with the murder weapon because when she found the body, she was hoping she could go back in time again. So she grabbed the timekeeper and tried to go back in time. It didn't work. No, it didn't work. But that's it. Like, that's the end of investigation day one. We're going to court. Oh, good. We have so much evidence <laughs> in which we can prove that a murder has not been done by this woman. Yeah. So um, Soren comes to the defendant's lobby before court. Um, but it was just to ask Ellie where where his engine blueprints were, and she did know right where they were. <laughs> so he like comes, he's like, "Where's my blueprints?" She's like, "They're in your drawer." And so he's like, "Thanks, bye." Thanks, dude. And then he's well, Love he turns around and he he's turned around while he's leaving, and he does say like, "Come home soon. I'm lost without you." And so it's like a little, oh, he does like her. Does he though? <laughs> Good question. Keep that in mind. <laughs> um, and so this is the moment where I realized that you had the Furio Tigre outfit on. How <laughs> and so sure fucking did. <laughs> this is Phoenix in the Furio Tigre outfit the entire time. Makes the game so much better. I did switch it back, though, so... He uh, stops being in the Furio Tigre outfit. But that means his first day of investigation was in the Furio Tigre outfit. <laughs> yes. Um, but so court starts, UV Edgeworth, um, and the judge is like, oh my god, it's my boys, just like old time. <laughs> He's very excited. Um, and like the judge is like, we should get dinner and drinks and reminisce. And and Phoenix is like, okay, we can make it a welcome back party for Maya, like coming back from Kurayan. And she's like, yes, burgers. <laughs> and Edgeworth is like, says some mean shit. Aw, he's he's like, I'm I'm not gonna fraternize or whatever. And the, but then he's like, if you invite me after the end of the trial, maybe I'll come. <laughs> And so Phoenix kind of offhand is like, maybe like we could use self-defense as a worst case scenario, like to avoid criminal liability if I can't prove her completely innocent. Um, but Emma immediately gets up and Edgeworth is like, nope, uh, the here's an autopsy report. Sorry, it's late. The victim was hit twice in the head. So even if you claim self-defense, the second hit was murder. That's dumb. That's just not how self-defense works. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you're right, but he's basically like, one hit was hard enough to stop him, the second hit was murder. <sighs> Edgy. He's right. just doing his job. Anyway, you show that um, 
you prove you prove this this is Emma's first testimony and you prove it wrong by saying that there's there is some broken shit from the lantern covering the body and the body's face up. Mm-hmm. So you could she couldn't have very well hit him from behind and then he fell over in the lantern and then she hit him again because then how'd all that broken shit get on him? Gotcha. Like like with the the cuz one of the wounds is on the side of the head and one's on the back of the head, so like it just doesn't it doesn't work. So you're like, where's your where's your bullshit now, Edgeworth? Um, so you, and you basically also prove that he was killed before the reception and hidden in the lantern because he's there's other stuff in the lantern like some flower petals that aren't present at the reception hall. So you're like, he was killed somewhere else. He was he was killed elsewhere because this flower doesn't match. Mm-hmm. And this is Edgeworth is like a flower is a flower is a flower. Like, what are you talking about? And the judge is like, no, I bought this type of flower for my wife once. Uh, so I firmly disagree, and the soundness of my judgment is backed by pure love. Ajie, <laughs> <laughs> you're so senile, it's beautiful. Yeah, and Phoenix is like, let it go, Edgeworth. It's clear you don't know much about flowers, and it's not like you have anyone you'd give any to anyway. Maybe Point. you should study up on them just in case the opportunity presents itself. <laughs> Phoenix wants flowers so badly. <laughs> like, so bad. But Edgeworth, Edgeworth nigghoos, and then he says, this from a man who only knows three types of flowers. <laughs> At least Phoenix sends them. Sure, they're probably all from, like, Walgreens, but, like... Yeah. Is one of those a dandelion? Possibly. <laughs> so what it means is that Phoenix only gets the same three types of flowers, and Edgeworth is, like... Fuck flowers. It really hurt Phoenix's feelings one time. <laughs> um, but so anyway, you you argue about the body um, being hidden, like whether it was in the reception at the time, like what did it happen after the reception? Did it happen before the reception? Um, but then Emma and Edgy like sort of start like cackling to each other. It is really uncomfortable. <laughs> and and Emma says like, ah ha ha. Phoenix, your theory that the the body was hidden in the lantern throughout the entire reception doesn't match the autopsy report, which dates the death at after the reception. It says like 10, a, 10 p.m. to 1 a.m. is the the time of the death. And, but there's remember there's those huge dry ice machines mm-hmm. that create fog. So you're like ah the fog made it look like he was killed later. And wow. Edgeworth's like all right all right all right. But Ellen's key card was the last one to, to scan her into the hold. So if the body was hidden inside of that, like, Pegamu lantern, she must have moved it because hers is the last one in the hold, and thus she's guilty. But Ellen's key card was lost, right? And mm-hmm. some fuck named Larry, who was not invited to the party, was wandering around the airship. <laughs> not saying Larry's a murderer. But could Larry be the murderer? I wanted that to be an option. <laughs> you call Larry to the stand, and Edgeworth had no idea, and he's pissed. Um, of course. It does give you the option right now to accuse Larry of murder. I did accuse him. I also did accuse him. And <laughs> Phoenix just goes like, wait, he didn't have a motive, and it doesn't let you. That's rude. I know. That's also how Ace Attorney fakes you out. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I would have taken the penalty, but... (laughs) (laughs) So after, like, much agony of Larry being on the stand and suffering, Larry says he got caught trying to sneak into the reception hall. 
and then moved to a cabin in the hold, like, and that's where he drew his picture. Then he broke out, tried to sneak into the reception hall again, got in, noticed a note on the broken lantern. There's, like, that the lantern that said, switch one, switch me with one that's downstairs. And the note was written by Ellen. And then he did, he moved the lantern, like, switched it, and that's when he switched the one with the body from upstairs to downstairs. And, or from downstairs to upstairs. So he put the one with the body up in the reception hall. Um, and you're like, Larry, none of this makes any sense. Because you said you snuck into the reception hall and then got caught and then you moved to lanterns and then the reception happened. So, like, what the fuck? And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah. Um, that inconsistency is not an inconsistency. I swapped it the first time and then time got re- rewound. So I also swapped it again. Two receptions. Time travel. Had to swap it both times. <laughs> I'm trying. <laughs> we'll just continue. So, yeah. So Phoenix is like, how dare you, Larry, make me explain to this court of law that time travel <laughs> happened in this case. So instead of like be like, uh, sorry, your honor, my idiot friend and my defendant think time travel happened, Phoenix 100% fully commits. He's like, yes, time travel actually did in fact happen. The case traveled through time. We all traveled through time. That's Phoenix for you. Yeah. He's and all he's in. like, Sprocket Aviation develops new technology every day. Soren Sprocket is obsessed with time travel. This is a secret prototype that allowed everyone to travel through time. <laughs> And so Edgeworth is like, this is stupid. You're stupid. Everything's stupid. But then Larry presents his picture of the pterodactyl. Well, not the pterodactyl. Well, he does. We talk about the pterodactyl, but he presents a picture. He's like, no, I can prove it because I also secretly took a picture at the other reception. (laughs) So you have now you have one picture of one reception. And he's like, this is a picture of the other reception. Um, and you, sure enough, the bouquet is a different color. During one of the receptions, the bouquet is red, and during another reception, the bouquet is yellow. So you're like, and this proves that we traveled through time. <laughs> and then he, so, so you argue a bunch, because Edgeworth won't accept this. So you argue about it, and then Phoenix is like, alright, alright, alright. What if it's a big conspiracy orchestrated by all the other guests to hold the reception twice and keep quiet about it? And before Edgeworth can be like, no, that's stupid and you're stupid. <laughs> uh-huh. Pierce, Sephiroth, from the audience, starts clapping. And he's like, well done, lawyer. You figured it out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit, you piece of garbage. And so he's like, yes, we held the reception twice to make it seem as though this was on Soren Sprocket's orders to make it seem as though the murder never happened and so ellen would be convinced that it was a dream and and like none of it happened um but he says yeah that was wrong or whatever but the murder the only thing that you're wrong about so far attorney man is that the the murder did happen on the vista deck it did not happen in the hold um and so like Nick and Edgy just start, like, back and forth, back and forth, yelling at each other. And the judge is, like, impressively cogent here. And he says, there's not enough trustworthy evidence from anyone to continue today. 
Thank you, Archie. <laughs> so he's like, we're adjourned. Go investigate some more. Um, and then they also make a point of saying that there's going to be a separate trial for all the people who tried to cover up the murder and were adjourned. You know, they say that a lot. Like in Ace Attorney General's like, we're going to have another trial about this. And I'm like, I just don't believe you guys. <laughs> right. I you mean, just no let them should. walk right the fuck out and they went home and they stayed there. <laughs> and they did. They did go home. Pierce does not go to prison. <laughs> yeah, see? Like, he's out and about the next day. And neither does Soren. Soren's just chilling. Anyway, um, so you drag Larry back to the office because you're like, what is going on? Um, and in this part, you kind of recap the case to Athena, who's been practicing with Trucy, and she's she's like not having any of it. She does not want to practice with Trucy, but she also is like not confused by the case. So you explain it to her, and then you recap the case again with Larry. It like I don't I'm not entirely sure why we did this, but we recap the case twice in a row. Hmm. Um, that might have which been like a error on the development. Well, I think team. it's just because it's so very confusing. Oh, then maybe. <laughs> so well, it's like let's let's recap the case since they did. Larry sneaks into the reception hall successfully. Sees a note from Ellen, who he has fallen in love with on one of the Pegamoos that says, switch me with one from downstairs. He goes downstairs and switches it. Reception number one happens. Somehow, Dumas Gloomsbury is murdered on the Vista deck. No. I've switched. Okay, so Larry switches it even though there's no body in it, which is maybe why we recap it a bunch. So he does the first switch. There's no body in it. In between receptions, he's murdered. The guy's murdered on the Vista deck. Um, Ellen faints. We prep for the second reception. The body is put into the Pegamoo downstairs. Larry, again, after thinking he's traveled through time, finds the note and switches the Pegamoos again before the next reception. We have another reception. She's cleaning up afterwards. And the body falls out of the, the Pegamoo lantern and she's like, oh no. And she grabs the time machine and is like, please take me back in time again. And then Pierce and the gang of everyone else comes in and is like, a murder did done happen. <laughs> so, so that's where we're at. Um, yeah. So, so we're like, well, Ellen told us that she saw, before she passes out, she sees a mystery third person. Like, when, when he, she's being attacked, uh, and then, like, she passes out, but she sees a mystery person. We need to find the mystery person. That's probably the murderer. Um, so, we actually tell Athena to fuck off. <laughs> she's like, alright, boss, take me with you. I'll probably be able to cheer Ellen up. And, and you're like, no, you need to stay here and do magic. <laughs> the coffers are low this month yeah. huh? uh, we they don't have Polly we don't have Polly on our payroll but somehow we have less yeah. money well they don't have Polly for free labor as well that's true so Athena, Athena, yeah Athena sorry you're still the low man on the totem pole because the low man on the totem pole is gone yeah <laughs> um, so we go to the detention this is the second time we tell Athena to fuck off because we put we tell her to go to the airport and then we make her fall asleep at the airport and then she never We're comes so home. We're so mean to Athena. 
Sorry. Um, well, we go to the detention center and we talk to Ellen, and she. We actually learn that Pierce has only been the head, like only started with the family working with us about a year ago. Um, but now he's the head butler and he's in charge of everything. And um, we also learn that Soren claims to have met real time travelers, and he's like real serious about time travel. Like he just like lives and breathes it, right? Yeah, he's he he believes time travel. He believes people have traveled through time. He says he has met time travelers, um, and that no one understands him. And so Ellen is like, "Yeah, I believe in time travel because Soren a hundred percent. Soren's met time travelers. Like Soren knows time traveler." So <laughs> you're like, "Okay, crazy, whatever." <laughs> you go back to the chapel and you go to the hold because that's where we haven't investigated yet. M is there. So the security system's off. We don't have to, like, scan in or anything. Um, and she says, like, a big part of this floor doubles as an elevator to the Vista deck. And this is the only way to get to the Vista deck. Um, and you're like, okay, whatever. There's a candelabra that you all become obsessed with. Like, one candelabra. And you're like, something about this candelabra is bothering me. You know, and so you find Gloomsbury's prints on it. And Maya, who is the expert in handedness indicates right. that the prince you found being a left-handed print means that he is left-handed. <laughs> oh, that's what that meant. <laughs> also, she knocks, like, we knock some of the candles off and the pointy bits that keep the candles on, one of them's broken, and you're like, something is bothering me about this candelabra. <laughs> So Emma's, yeah. Emma's sprays it with luminol, and sure enough, the one that's broken, there's blood on it. There's There was blood there. Is the blood from a left foot or a right foot? Unknown. Oh, sorry, <laughs> only a hands. We only know hands. Only hands, <laughs> only hands. Um, but of course, there's a big elevator floor here, so Maya can't resist. And she runs over and she, like, presses the button to run the floor. And the lift is rising up, and there's this huge blood stain on the side of it. Like, enormous. Um, And so Emma runs a test on the blood, and it's the same person. It's like, the same person produced the blood that's on the side of the lift as produced the blood that is on the candelabra, is what she determines. Okay. Well, we don't know whose blood it is. No, not at the moment. And she, and so Phoenix is like, of course this means that the blood is from the third person who Bloom, Gloomsbury stabbed at one point. Because Gloomsbury was just stabbing people? Apparently. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Anyway, we leave and we go talk to Soren. And um, Soren seems like he has no idea why he was in two receptions. Like, you're basically like, hey, Soren, why were there two? Why'd you order there to be two receptions? And he was like, oh, there were two, weren't there? <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and like, he, he's like, I leave everything to Pierce. So whatever Pierce says, like, that's my, that's what I say. You know, whatever Pierce orders is my orders, but. Then he gets really cagey if you ask him any questions, so you gotta produce stuff to him. Mm-hmm. And so you produce the candelabra, and then he's like, oh my god, is that? And then he just starts bleeding everywhere from the stomach. <laughs> what the fuck? Like, like his stomach, like blood from his stomach area, or he starts puking up blood? No, from his, from his stomach area, he just starts bleeding everywhere, and then passes out. 
you you okay there, buddy? Yeah, and so they like you know the other people in the household take him to the hospital, and but like no one seems really concerned. Like Nick isn't like, why the fuck did he just start spontaneously bleeding? Why isn't Nick questioning this? He's seen weirder cases. He did. No, but he would still question it. He did what? He dropped his notebook. Ah, okay. But no, yeah, Nick is too casual about this. Um, but you, you guys pick up the notebook, um, and you you notice that starting in like last May, it was it was all invention notes until like last May, and then it became like really tiny writing of Soren detailing every minutia of his entire life. Hmm. So like every detail, period. Um, so you're like that's a little bit weird, and. Um, and, like, you, you guys start fighting over reading the notebook, and then you drop it in the pool of blood. What? Why would we do this? Why? Because <laughs> we, we had to fight over it. We had evidence for once. Yeah, we dropped it in the pool of blood, and we stained some of the pages. Yes, we do. So we can't read them now. Yeah. They're probably important pages. So we're like, um, maybe we should go back to the reception hall, I guess? And, uh... And you see Pierce there, and hang on. Oh, also another thing fell out of it. A, a newspaper clipping about the car crash when his sister died. And, of course, the car crash lines up with the same day when his style of writing changed in the notebook. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I didn't even have to tell you that, though. It was probably assumed. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. So, anyway, you're going to find Pierce. Um, and you go, and you're like, hey, Pierce, um, can you tell me more about this car crash? And he's like, oh, yeah, it happened on um, the way to Selena, her engagement party, and um, Gloomsbury was driving the car. So he caused the car crash that killed her. And he's like, I was there for her last words, which were, please help Soren. And so ever since then, I've been helping Soren. And then uh, he says that Soren was the one who insisted that Gloomsbury not be fired for, like, killing the heir to the Sprocket family, like, aviation company. Um, and then he also mentions that uh, Selena's fiancé was a surgeon, and he was actually the surgeon who tried to save them both, um, but he was so fucked up by not being able to save Selena that he quit being a surgeon afterwards. You know. Does, he, does this guy show up at all? Just stay tuned. Stay tuned. Just keep this in mind. So you're like, Phoenix is like, oh, she had a fiancé then. Um, But anyway, you're like, hey, Pierce, you ever seen this candelabra before? (laughs) 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 So three Cyclops appear. And you break him by saying, like, clearly, 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 hey, hey, Pierce, clearly Soren was stabbed with this candelabra. (laughs) Oh, clearly that's why he was bleeding from the stomach profusely for no reason. But it, yeah. he only started bleeding after you showed him the candelabra. <laughs> you know, that's how blood works. That's how psychic damage works, all right? Yeah, so, and also, hey, Soren, clear, or hey, Pierce, clearly Soren had a motive to kill Gloomsbury, so, like, you need to start talking. So yeah. Pierce is, is like, okay, this is what Soren told me. Soren said that Gloomsbury attacked Ellen after reception number one. Soren was there and fought him and then got stabbed. He was like, ah, pain, and fell over. And then when he, like, recovered enough to get up and chase them, they were already on the Vista deck, and and Gloomsbury was dead when he got there. 
So clearly Ellen still killed him, but like Soren was there, is what we've learned. And Pierce is like, if that's all, folks, I'm gonna go to the hospital where the bleeding boy is. <laughs> and you were like, okay, well, I, we also found his notebook, so you go ahead and take this. Um, and, don't mind the blood. Yeah, just, so just don't worry about it. So you give it to him and he leaves. Uh, so you go back up into the um, reception hall to like look around some more. Uh, you find Emma's like, hey, I rebuilt the busted uh, Pegamo lantern if you want to take a look, uh, but I have to go. So she leaves. Um, you find the key to the timekeeper because there's a maid there and she says, oh yeah, so the timekeeper was used in a ceremony that they call the startup, the first startup of love. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's totally a thing. And she's like, it's pretty much like a cake cutting ceremony, but the first startup of love happens and they both put two symbols of their love together and then um, it opens and it's very like romantic. Uh, but the symbols are an industry secret, so I can't tell you about them. Why does this maid know about it? <laughs> Who knows? Like, because she works there. And well, why know, would the maid know about it? Her job is to clean. Well, she's the, not the like other, a high class butler guy. I mean, the other maid is marrying the heir, so yeah. So why does the this maid also get to be privy? Like, their their security is pretty fucking bad. It's well, their their security is pretty fucking bad, but they control everyone in their lives enough to make them do two receptions and keep quiet about it. I suppose, and also make people clean up after their own wedding. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but also she kind of wanted to do that. She's kind of like that, yeah. yeah but anyway, sure. um, so you you go, like, you also learn, you're investigating around, there's, like, the big doors to get into this reception hall, but there's also, like, a little door off in the corner, and so you're like, oh, let's see what's through this door! And another maid is like, do not go out there, that's the emergency exit, you'll fall and die. You'll just- <laughs> That's a shitty emergency exit. <laughs> absolutely it is, but it's just, it just leads outside. This is my door that just leads outside. On this airship. <laughs> On the flying airship. <laughs> I forgot we were on an airship. Yeah. Um. <laughs> That's not how emergency exits work. It's literally the opposite of an emergency you exit. No, see, because Stephanie, they would have lived on the Hindenburg if they just had a door to the outside. <laughs> this is like the whale is sinking moment. <laughs> the whale is gonna drown. The emergency exit just leads outside. Okay, go on. Okay, so you look at the pegabool that Emma fixed, and she kind of fixed it like real shitty, um, like real shitty, like it's all wonky and stuff now. But you do wonder why she was fixing it at all. Well, but so these lanterns are like enclosed; they have doors on the back of them. Um, and the doors are controlled like a, by a little spinny knob, like, um, you know, like something you'd turn to open it. Um, not like a regular doorknob, like a big industrial looking kind of doorknob. Um, sure. and so the, you're like, Hey, actually this, this handle, um, it's got blood on it. What's up with that? Did no one else notice this? Why am I, <laughs> why are we learning this for the first time? 
But you also notice that it's like a different color. So you're like, oh, Emma rebuilt it wrong. This is actually the inside handle that has the blood on it, not the outside handle. So you're like, oh, interesting. And then you're wrapping up and Soren shows up and he's frantic, like just like looking everywhere. And he's looking for his notebook. Um, And Pierce shows up shortly behind and gives it to him. But Phoenix like... Oh, he gets emotionally unstable when he doesn't have his notebook, huh? Um, and you try and talk to Pierce and Pierce and try and talk to Soren and Pierce is like, no, he needs to go home and rest. Um, because he was earlier bleeding from the abdomen. <laughs> so I was about to ask, why is he like out of the hospital? Did he, he go to Hickfields? Be. No, like, he, sh- because he shouldn't be. But also Pierce is like earlier when we were talking to Pierce, when we were, um, like earlier, before we gave him the notebook, he was on the phone and he was like, make sure he drinks some water. (laughs) We clearly don't know how to treat this stab wound. Bleeding's thirsty work, you know? (laughs) You know, not like, make sure he stays in the hospital. (laughs) Just like, make sure he drinks water. Um, But anyway, so you're like, I guess that's it for today. And you go, you go back to the, uh, the detention center to well first you go back to the agency but you, i don't really know why we do it because you just go and you're like we're gonna have to accuse that soren kid of murder mm-hmm. <laughs> and um so everyone is like well better go tell ellen about it so you go to ellen and you're like ellen we're gonna have to accuse soren of murder and she freaks out and she's like like please prove us both innocent please don't accuse him of murder he's definitely innocent and i believe in him and shit and i love him um you know mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like whatever mm-hmm. um so you we're done with investigation day two we go to court tomorrow mm-hmm. um so we're in the in the like pre pre room for court and you're like wow it's gonna be really shitty when i accuse soren of murder <laughs> <laughs> and ellen's like really like begging you not to and she's essentially like take me if you're gonna accuse him just take me just declare me guilty i don't care he didn't do it and if he did do it i'll be arrested instead i don't want him to go to prison i want him to be happy um and i'm like wow we're actually like kind of leaning into the emotional weight of this and it's too bad that fucking sephiroth did it clearly clearly (laughs) clearly and it's not gonna matter Sephiroth walks on screen, no one else can be the murderer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, okay, we go into court, and Edgeworth, like, has your number immediately, and is like, I see that you've come today ready to accuse Soren of murder, but... <laughs> but, like... <laughs> yeah he just lays out the whole theory he's like i know that you're gonna accuse soren of murder because this guy was responsible for his sister's death however but before he can even like finish his sentence ellen just shows up and starts banging pots and pans around and screaming that soren's innocent and it makes this look really stupid yeah no shit (laughs) like ellen this is the worst plan and and like phoenix is like clearly the defense did not talk about their plan for today you know like this is a disaster mm-hmm. um so edgy says the only way we can figure this out is like call soren to the stand so we call soren to the stand um and he refuses to talk for a little bit but then um eventually like says yeah he he got stabbed when he they were up on the vista deck he ran out there um but gloomsbury was already dead and it must have been ellen that killed him 
And Phoenix is like, what the fuck? Like, dude, <laughs> you're not loyal at all, huh? You're just like, straight up, she did it. What a piece of shit. And Ellen is like, got this really heartbreaking animation where she like drops her bouquet and gets all sad and everything. Not like crying sad, just like really broken. Um, mm-hmm. And Edgeworth immediately is like, well, clearly he wants you to admit that you're guilty because you're guilty and it would make him happy if you did it. So Ellen, uh, confess. <laughs> Edgeworth. Yeah, and everyone in the court is like, not cool. Edgeworth, not cool, including the judge. The judge is like, I find it really distasteful <laughs> that you're trying to make her cry, Edgeworth, and stop it. Thank you, Udgy. Thank you, Udgy. Where is this deep? Like, when did we get Demon Miles, like, Demon Prosecutor Miles Edgeworth back? Well, I just was thinking, I said this whole scene thinking, like, this is the most, this is more emotional manipulation than Blackwell ever did at all, period. It's it's on par with Ted Mahdi. Yeah, but like Blackwell is the emotional manipulator guy, remember? Yeah, that was supposed to be his thing. Yeah, but it never really it didn't it wasn't his thing, but it was his thing. Yeah, but it is but really like, like Edgeworth, what are you doing? What buddy? You wanna go home something. Like why are you being this guy? It's the paperwork. It's got so much paperwork <laughs> to go finish. Well, anyway, so Aji yells at him. Yeah, Aji yells at him, and Phoenix is like, okay, well, um, he just, he, like, we need to figure out how he got out, he got to the Vista deck, because as you'll remember, the Vista deck, like, you have to go all the way down, you're like in the reception hall, and you can see the Vista deck out the window, but the only way to get to it is to go all the way downstairs, and then go to the hold, and then take an elevator all the way upstairs. So, you're like, Soren, the fuck is this? Because you were bleeding and shit. Like, <laughs> and he's like, yeah, I almost passed out a couple times trying to get there. And uh, you're like, well, Soren, you never scanned your key card in the hold. So you clearly didn't do that. You didn't go all the way around. You clearly left using the emergency exit. <laughs> you can't do that. <laughs> and you climbed over to the Vista deck while bleeding. And that's the power of love. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Edgeworth, because that's what Edgeworth. The judge is like, yes, the power of love, so magical, so pure. <laughs> and Edgeworth is like, this is bullshit, and you're bullshit. The power of love is bullshit. <laughs> and the judge is like, Edgeworth, you just don't understand. But when you get married, and Edgeworth cuts him off, like, I will never, I will never get married. And um, and the judge is like, wow, that was rushed and edgeworth is like what's so wrong with not wanting to get married (laughs) and phoenix kind of sweat drops over in the corner and he's like way to send him off your honor (laughs) so clearly they've had this conversation before (laughs) which i think this conversation we've known about since before the case dropped because someone had translated and put it on tumblr yeah like this this tracks (laughs) yeah um but anyway edgeworth is like he didn't Climb out the emergency exit and shimmy over to the Vista deck because there's a giant propeller on the airship that would have knocked him off. He didn't. But it's an emergency exit and he used it for an emergency. It had to work. I know what you're thinking. Why would there be a huge propeller right next to the emergency exit which could kill people? (laughs) Well, I mean, that way if 
the emergency exit doesn't kill you, the propeller will. See, that's the thing. I think that it's not an emergency exit. It's an exit, and once you use it, it becomes an emergency. <laughs> you're either dead from the propeller, or you're falling to your death. They're just too literal. That's the problem. If you want to have a good, fun emergency, please use this exit. The emergency exit. Tired of regular doors? You tired of walking through a door and going, ugh, this room again? Why don't you walk through this emergency exit? Yeah. Every day is a thrill when you fall 50,000 feet to your death. I mean, if it helps, they didn't get off the ground that day. Oh, Jesse, you spoiled it. You spoiled it. No, you said that earlier. No, I don't think I did. But anyway, um, so yeah, that's Phoenix's argument. He's like, the propeller wasn't spinning, so he could shimmy around because... Uh, they were moored. They never took off. And to be fair, I assumed they never left the ground. Actually, <laughs> well, when I you don't see, know why. so when you see the flying chapel, it's always floating. It's not like it's never like on the ground. It's always okay. floating. But yeah, Phoenix is like it was. It was docked, and Edward's like, "Prove it, bitch!" <laughs> and so to prove it, you present a Larry's drawing of a pterodactyl. <laughs> And how is that relevant? Um, and you're like, well, what could the pterodactyl be? And it's actually, this is not the stupidest piece of evidence in this case, but it might be, which is you determine that it's a piece of that map that was busted outside on the mooring deck that was blown around in the wind because there were strong winds that day. That's pretty stupid. Jesse is showing me a picture. And that's pretty stupid. Yeah, it's it's pretty yeah. bad. And I mean, the I figured it. I didn't. It didn't like take me 10, 20 minutes to figure this out because you just ba- basically show you where the thing is moored, and they're like, "What could it have been that was the pterodactyl?" And I'm like, clearly that broken thing that we spent a lot of time talking about for no reason earlier. <laughs> but I didn't see the pterodactyl. I didn't figure out how this worked. I was like, it's just this broken thing, though. It's this broken thing. Um, could it... You sure it wasn't the candelabra? <laughs> no, but I'm glad to keep that in mind. <laughs> I'm, glad you've, I'm glad you brought up the suspicious candelabra again. <laughs> it's just too suspicious not to have possibly been a pterodactyl as well. Yeah, so you're like, okay, it was the pterodactyl map. It was the pterodactyl map and thus they were moored. And Edgeworth is like, this is stupid. He walked in with another person on the check-in log. Who is here? Pierce. He went in with Pierce. Pierce scanned his card and had Soren with him. You moron. (laughs) So Soren testifies and he's like, yeah, Pierce helped me get to the Vista deck because it was so long and I was stabbed. (laughs) And he's like, so you're, this is one of the ones where you do the testimony, you have to ask questions, and then they add stuff to it later. And you're like, tell me about when you were stabbed. And he's like, yeah, the knife wound really hurts. And you're like, put that in your testimony. <laughs> <laughs> and Phoenix is like, bitch, you got stabbed with a candelabra. <laughs> How are you going to forget you got stabbed with a candelabra? <laughs> and Soren's like... Soren's like panicked and his his first panic animation is he like is clicking his pencil, which is also like doubles as an airplane. Um and he like clicks the wrong end of his pencil and stabs himself in the thumb. Aww. Um or not not Pierce, sorry, Soren. If I said Pierce, I meant Soren. Um 
So anyway, Phoenix is like, the only reason... Stephanie, brace yourself for this. Oh, God. <laughs> the only reason why you would forget that you were stabbed with a candelabra and not a knife is because you have no memory of it at all. In fact, you have a memory disorder from the car crash. That's why you write everything down. In fact, you don't remember anything about the stabbing because I stained that page with blood when I dropped it in your pool of blood. And you can't remember anything. In fact, you have 51st date syndrome. So every time you wake up, you can't remember anything. Integrate amnesia. Oh. In in Jesse just said a medical term for it. In this, they just call it a memory disorder. Um. Uh. <laughs> so. Yeah, and and Soren's like, yeah, and so Phoenix is like. And every first every day you wake up with a motive to kill that guy Gloomsbury for killing your sister because every day you wake up and it's the day after your sister died in the car crash because of Gloomsbury. So you did it, didn't you? And the, as expected, the second that Phoenix does this, Ellen gets on the stand and she's like, "I did it. I did it. Take me to prison. I did it, uh, Ellen." You and, didn't do it. Yeah. And she, so Soren, she loves him so much. She loves him a lot. And Soren's like, what the fuck? I like just sold you out. How are you supporting me? <laughs> I can't believe I just stood up here and said that you did it. And also I forget your feelings for me every single day. How do you love me? And also how are you trying to take the blame for this? All good questions. Yeah, They're all excellent And she's like, questions. I know your love for me is true because it's the same love that you had for me before the accident. And also, I just want you to be happy. And when you're happy, I'm happy. So if I have to go to prison for that, I will. And he's like, Your Honor, can I retract my statement where I accuse my wife of murder? <laughs> Oh, he said my wife? Well, he. I think he said, um, just I retract my statement. And then they like flashback to anime style where he said... Um, I, it's probably Ellen did it, you know, <laughs> they don't, he doesn't uh. actually say I want to retract, he says I want to retract two statements, and he says the first is, and then they flash back to that. Uh, you mean they flash back to 30 seconds ago? Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh. <laughs> <laughs> and then he says my second statement is, um, Gloomsbury never caused the crash, I caused the crash, I was driving. And so I never felt any resentment for him. Because I did it, it's all me. So how do we prove who drove the car? How do we do it? Um, well, he says, um, we enter the notebook into evidence because we're like, memory disorder boy is not worthy. Like, testimony is untrustworthy. Mm -hmm. um, um, but you're, but um, they essentially are asking you, like, can we believe the notebook? So Phoenix examines the notebook and notices that the, la the like, m most recent page is ripped out. Um, and you use, so you're like, we need to know what was on that page. You use your fingerprint powder to read the indentation on the other page. And let me tell you that the fingerprint powder mechanic is fucked. It's fucked in this game. <laughs> so, like, cause I was doing the tapping and then you do the blowing. So I tap, 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 tap. And then I did like, I actually blew on the mic the first time and then the blow got stuck down. This happened oh, to me no. when I was playing on your, when I was playing, um, 
with the suitcase in the last in in the fifth case for Speed of Justice. That happened to me on your 3DS too. Yeah, and I don't know if it's my 3DS because then I just started using the butt. They have a button for blowing instead of actually mm-hmm. blowing, and it was just all garbage. So yeah, it's, yeah, it might be your 3DS. Maybe because uh, Jesse, do you remember having this problem? You played I a different didn't. One. Yeah, I didn't have that problem, but I just kept blowing at the wrong spot. Oh, that's a different problem, but also <laughs> awful. Um, but yeah, because I got I got some of the the powder stuck in a corner. I couldn't get it out. Oh, that sucks. That sucked. But so I could only use like a quarter of the powder to like find the fingerprints. Well, it was awful. On the bright side, it doesn't give you a powder limit anymore. Um, that was good. Yeah, like you can just put infinite powder on there. But oh, it's harder when you're also blowing at the same time. <laughs> Fair. So anyway, yeah, it says I struck and killed. Dumas Gloomsbury really big on it. Um, And Ellen just passes out, like, (laughs) immediately when she hears this news. Um, So we're like, okay. Soren wrote down in his notebook, I struck Dumas Gloomsbury. Case is over. We're gonna get our not guilty, right? Um, But Phoenix objects because he wants to try and have them both be happy. Um, And his argument here is, he wouldn't, this, this notebook is his entire memory. He wouldn't remove the murder from the notebook because you can't cover up what you can't remember. Right. So, you accuse Pierce of tampering with the notebook since you gave it to him. (laughs) Like, (laughs) you just handed the dumb thing to him. Um, So, the, like, you're going to call Pierce to the stand, but you've, now you've said that, like, Soren's memories are tampered with. So Soren starts leafing through his notebook frantically, being like, is this true? Is this true? Is any of this true? And then he, like, freaks out, um, and his, like, dual tank backpack sprouts wings, and he launches himself into the air. I forgot about the backpack. (laughs) Yep. He just, like, flies away, and then, like, lands and passes out. If only we had someone who was good at emotionally calming, like, distressed people in the court of law. Yeah, too bad. If only. Too bad we don't know anyone who has that talent. No. So, you have a little bit of a recess, because um, Edgeworth wants to talk to Pierce before he goes up on the stand. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you come back, and Pierce gets on the stand, and he says, like, bravo, lawyer. And then he's like, the page that you tore out was Soren trying to admit guilt. Basically... Soren was there. He saw that Ellen murdered him. Ellen actually murdered Gloomsbury. Ellen murdered Gloomsbury to protect Soren, who had been a stabbed. <laughs> and then, and then Gloomsbury was gonna hit, like, kill Soren, and then she killed him. And so Soren, and then she passed out. And so Soren was like, I'm gonna take the blame for this. And he wrote, Soren wrote, um, I killed Gloomsbury to take the blame for it. And then Pierce was like, oh no, Soren can't go to prison. So he says he tore the page out to prevent this from being entered into Soren's memories, basically. And then he hid the body to cover it up. How convoluted. Yeah. I mean, this isn't the spirit of Ace Attorney. Yeah. And also he's like, oh, and by the way, Soren did actually go out the escape hatch and shimmy over. (laughs) No, he did it. That's what he says, because he says, by the time I made it up using the lift, it was all over. 
And that, and so that boat would have fucking just died <laughs> and gotten eaten by a propeller, even if it wasn't spinning. Yeah, I mean, yeah, but so Phoenix is like, okay, so you say you hid the body, and also that it was because he keeps saying the still warm body. So he's like, I hid the still warm body, and so you're like, okay, what if the victim was still alive when you hid the body? And they're like, the fuck are you talking about, Phoenix? <laughs> What are you talking about? And Phoenix is like, haha, there's a bloody handprint on the inside of the Pegamu lantern. So he tried to get out of it. He was still alive. Well, cause, cause Edgy had gone back to his first plan basically is like, um, we hid, he, Pierce hid the body. We go through the second reception. They, then, um, then clearly the guy tried to get out of that Pegamu. And so Ellen hit him across the head. And and Phoenix is like, nah. <laughs> there was clearly a third person because there was a note that said, "Hey, Gloomsbury, go kill Ellen." Remember? And it's clear that oh, Glo- yeah. that Gloomsbury didn't write the note himself because he's left-handed because of that suspicious candelabra. When did we find the note of "Go kill Ellen"? Like immediately, <laughs> like the first fucking thing we find. Oh, yeah. okay. It's so I forgot. It's okay. Um, uh, and so you're like the only person who would have a motive to frame, to kill Gloomsbury and frame Soren and Ellen for it is Selena's fiance. Dun dun dun. Dun dun dun. And you're like, and Edgeworth is like, all right, fine, who's the fiance? And you're like, he's in this courtroom and he has a matching pocket watch to the dead girl. And it's Piers. Surprise! <laughs> Surprise! <laughs> so Piers is like, does his like evil transformation, where like mm. bits and bobs start falling off of him, and so he he starts holding his hands like a surgeon, and he tur- he ties his like thing over his face. Um, his he's got a handkerchief. He ties it over his face to look like a surgeon. Um, and he like becomes evil because you've you've found him out. Um, so he becomes an evil doctor mm-hmm. with a portable X-ray. Yeah, he turns his like like um, thing. He turns it into an X-ray machine. Uh, and gosh. both Phoenix and Edgeworth have some deformities. <laughs> well, the fucker's been hit <laughs> by a car. No, Phoenix's hair is apparently made out of bone. Like, his skull just grows yeah, like that. Phoenix's and points... Edgeworth has ruffles on his sternum. Yeah. Like, yeah. So, like, or maybe it's a bad x-ray machine. Mm-hmm. Like, I full of shit. <laughs> well, Phoenix's hair may, in fact, be bones or whatever. But um, Edgeworth, I think his cravat's probably lead-lined. That's <laughs> what that means. It's so Superman can't see through it. <laughs> I Edgeworth would do that. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty fucked up. But um so Phoenix is Phoenix is like um pure, after he transforms Oh wait, I've got another set of notes. Hang on. Oh, he starts talking weird about like excising tumors from the courtroom and stuff. It's you know it's a surgeon, evil surgeon stuff. We've we've leaned into this evil surgeon vibe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Pierce claims that he couldn't have done the murder because he was always near people. Like there, he was never out of anyone's line of sight, but there's a fog machine. So you're like, clearly it happened in the middle of the reception with all the fog. 
Um, but then you have to, so everyone's like, prove it. How did it happen in the middle of the reception? So, you know, the blue, you go to the blue zone, you know, the blue zone with the red line where everything's whooshing past you. Oh, 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 yeah. The Phoenix is like, I got to turn my, I got to think about this because yeah. the case is almost over. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, I don't know if there's a name for it, but the blue zone. So you go to the blue zone and the questions in the blue zone are really dumb. This time, yeah, usually are. this time around, it's like the, the victim was murdered with, with what? And it's like a key or some other shit or the murder weapon, <laughs> <laughs> you know, pretty bad. Yeah, so you go, you're in the blue zone, and you deduce that the, the, to prove that it happened during the reception, what was going on with the timekeeper, then, well, the first startup of love was happening, so there's, the timekeeper was activated when it was used for murder, so there's gonna be evidence inside of it. And that's, like, the, what we do in the blue zone. Good job, Phoenix. So you, like, Phoenix has to puzzle through, like, what are the two special objects? And the special objects are the key and her steampunk necklace. So you, like, reassemble it using the gears and you use the key. And inside it, there's, like, chibi little dolls of them in their wedding clothes. And then um, there's also blood. (laughs) Oh, no. Oh, no. And so you, like, that. this is enough to break Pierce. And he, like, his break is kind of sad because he's, like, talking about having to save Selena. And if only he had not saved Soren first, he could have saved Selena's life. And then he, like, has a heart attack. Oh. But not really. He's fine in a second. But he, like, clutches oh. his chest and falls over. And he flatlines. There's, like, a like a pulse animation in the background. And he flatlines and has a heart attack and falls over. Very poetic. Yeah. So when he's he gets back up and he reveals like him and Gloomsbury had this plot because Gloomsbury always hated Soren, so it was really easy to manipulate him into like trying to do this. Um and uh so he offered what he did was he offered Gloomsbury like more money and a better job to do this for him, so Gloomsbury was gonna do it, but what he didn't count on was was Soren being involved. He thought he'd just kill Ellen to make him feel the pain that he had felt when his fiance was killed. So it didn't work because Soren stopped it. So he he shoved Gloomsbury's body into the like thing, and he was like, "I gotta think of another plan. Like, what am I gonna do?" Um, but then Gloomsbury starts coming out of the thing in the middle of the reception where there's fog everywhere, and he's like, "Aha! If I kill him, I can frame her for the murder." Um, so he does. What an asshole! <laughs> yeah, and he like says some dramatic shit about like it, like. Do you ever know what it feels like? And, like, time stopped for me that day, just like the time on this pocket watch. It stopped when she died, and time will never continue forward for me ever again. Um, And then he says to the guy who literally has amnesia and wakes up every day remembering the day before his sister died. No, Soren's Soren's passed out right now, Jesse. He's saying this to a courtroom. (laughs) So, but Ellen shows up again. She's woken up and she says, hey, hey, Pierce, Selena would have told you to move the fuck on. And he's like, time will never advance for me ever again. And then the pocket watch starts working and he's like, you're right. I did a bad. <laughs> <laughs> and also, like, 
Because don't they just do a flashback scene at the hospital? Selena's like, go work on my brother, not me. That's what he said. He's like, if I had not listened to her, because she was in more critical condition, but she said, go save Soren, like, do the surgery on Soren. um, And then she died. The only surgeon. Listen, Hickfield Clinic is not an affluent (laughs) hospital. It's a clinic, actually, it's not a hospital. We only got the one. Um, but anyway, so that's over, and the judge is like, "All right, let's do our verdict." And this is when Soren comes back. Soren's like, "Hey, can we? Can I take a second before you do that, Your Honor?" And he's like, "Hey, Ellen, um, if you want to leave me, it's cool because I did a bunch of bad things, like accuse you of murder and also have amnesia, and also um, I'm gonna go public with the fact that I killed my sister by accident, and uh, everything is gonna change and be hard now, and also you have to live with my like condition and stuff. So if you don't want to murder or d- not murder, if you don't want to murder me, <laughs> if you don't want to marry me, if you don't want to marry me, like it's cool, but I don't know how to say this. Um, uh, like and he reproposes to her. It's very sweet, and she says yes, and then the judge comes in and makes them pledge their eternal love to the goddess of justice, Themis. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's like, a judge. He can marry them right He here. didn't marry them, though. He just says, do you pledge your eternal love to the goddess it's of justice? It's the same thing. Just let it happen. <laughs> so like, he, why? I don't know. But then, so then he's like, all right, I declare Ellen Wyatt. And then he's like, nope, that's not right. Ellen Sprocket, not guilty. Um, um, and it's very sweet. Okay, quick pause here. I know we're almost done. So, did they stage the wedding twice? Did that happen? Yes. Like, that was real? Yes. Okay, yeah, I was waiting for real. that to get disproven, but I guess that just fucking happened, <laughs> no, huh? that just yes. fucking... And he crawled out that, that escape, that emergency exit. He So he did do that. <laughs> yes. Yeah, with his, with his stab wound. Okay, and then the third question is, do... Do we know why the dirigible was moored? Like, why it never took off? The uh, winds were really bad that day. Oh, okay. So yeah, they just, just, like, it was unsafe. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. I have one more question, but I think it'll be answered. Continue. Okay, so we go back out to the... And everyone's happy. And um, Soren and Ellen... Soren and Ellen do, like, the, the carry over the threshold carry bridal thing. Yeah, the bridal and, hold. Yeah, and they're like, you should come to the wedding. And Phoenix is like, yeah. And then... Um, she, he's like, hold on tight, hon. And she's like, oh, I'm never letting go again. And then they fly away. <laughs> Wait. He, he oh, with back. the jetpack. His yeah. jetpack, backpack. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. I have another question, but continue. <laughs> so, like, you talk around and everyone's like, you're, you kind of, like, waffle with Maya and Athena. Oh, wait, like, I'm not Okay. <laughs> Wait, wait, you kind of are like, maybe I should have him invite Edgeworth. <laughs> of course. All right, now, okay. And then, so, like, then we skip and to the their next wedding, which is they have it in the same place. And uh, we could do an anime cutscene of, like, the bouquet toss, and it's Maya, Athena, and Trucy. Trucy looks great, by the way. Emma um, was there, too. Oh, and, and Emma. Um, but they're we, they're all fighting to get the bouquet, and they're all in, in like fancy dresses, right? In yeah. fancy dresses, art of that beforehand. Yeah, and they look great, and um, and Larry catches the bouquet, and he's like, "Guess who's next?" And Edgy just like touches his shoulder and shakes his head real slowly, <laughs> <laughs> and then like imme- he's immediately mobbed by all the girls who are trying to steal the bouquet back from him, and he's like chased around the reception hall, and everyone laughs. It's fun. The end. Okay. 
Um, the, the, the one question was, like, how's Larry doing? Like, not that I actually care about his well-being, but where'd he go? So, he oh, yeah, showed he up to there. the wedding? Why? He was invited. Why was he? Why would you invite this guy who's so in love with you? He's Because he helped her escape and get to Phoenix, and Larry should be in jail. <laughs> you are right. Yeah, he should be. <laughs> Just, like, he should be in jail. Also, like, I understand we had this very sweet moment with the husband, but, like, why was he cool with, like, the whole family being, like, she's not part of the family? You can't be married to her? It was so that was the butler. Yeah, it was the butler. Because remember he said anything the butler says is, like, my word. So the butler was just lying to everyone. And so the butler was like, and Soren says we're freezing her out. And so the family was like, okay. <laughs> yeah, but, like, we talked to Soren and, and we're like, hey, Soren, your wife? And he's like, uh, the, 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 writing in his notes, right? Like, yeah. yeah. He doesn't give a shit. Well, I think he didn't remember. He had to go back and read it. Yeah. Well, he like he knew that he loved her before the accident, but he didn't know he was married to her. So when somebody says up and says, "Hey, your wife," he's like, "Um, what did I miss?" Yeah, (laughs) that's fair. I feel like I have one more question, but we are faked out. There was no actual time travel. No time travel. Although, in Ace Attorney, time travel is canon because in Professor Layton, time travel is canon. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I was just thinking, like, you know, in Professor Layton, we just drug an entire train into a, ha- a fever haze. And I was waiting for something like that hardcore to happen, but we just stage a wedding twice, huh? A reception twice, huh? We actually, yeah. yeah. And then at the end, we have it a third time for charms, I guess. I guess. Well, I'm glad. I'm glad they're happy. Yeah. I thought it was a fun case. I enjoyed it. I did too. I enjoyed all the parts where you didn't say the name Larry. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. The Larry parts were pretty bad. Yeah. I didn't enjoy the fake out where they said we could accuse Larry and then we couldn't. I'm really just mad that the emergency exit <laughs> exists. <laughs> That's my whale sinking of this case. <laughs> Yeah, the um, Stephanie, the emergency exit is sinking. <laughs> it'll die if you open the door. Don't open the door, it'll die. Um, uh, so though it once again, it sounds to me like Ace Attorney does the great thing of characterizing, like keeping our characters the same while giving us new information and keeping it charming. Like yeah. the Larry. The Larry, um, Phoenix, Edgeworth interactions are charming. Udgy Phoenix, uh, Edgeworth seems charming. Uh, Maya, Edgeworth, (laughs) and Phoenix are very charming. (laughs) Yeah. Like, we keep the spirit very well. Yes. And we are given a little more with the Maya and the Emma interactions, and it just seems like it's still, like, true to Ace Attorney in the spirit even though they give us the villain where you're like, ah, Sephiroth, the, Sephiroth did it because yeah. there's only five characters we have in this whole case. Like, yeah. I made a note at some, and I don't remember what because my notes suck, but at some point, Maya was given the option of, like, romance or food, and she's like, food all the way. Yeah. <laughs> um, it was it was also, I thought it was fun to, like, you know, you get to hang out with Maya again, that's great. Um. But it made me really sad that they just freeze Athena out of it because they're it's clear yeah. that they're not trying to like combine the old and the new. They're like, they this really one's are. just a this is just a nostalgia trip. We're gonna have Larry, we're gonna have the old crew, like no one gets to come except for anyone who was in the old game. And it, it was like really bummed me out. Yeah, 
Yeah, because in, in Dual Destinies, the case is Phoenix is back from, the first case back from disbarment, but we have Athena, so they were trying to give us, like, hey, like, take the rookie out, out and about to this fun, this fun romp, but we freeze Apollo out completely. Yeah. Like, they're, they're really intent on doing that. Like, I don't, they just don't know how to handle more than two lawyers at once, I guess? I don't think so. And it's funny, too, because it's like, M- Maya's like, oh, it's so fun to, like, be investigating again. I haven't done this in so long. And, um, and she says, like, remember all the good times we had, like, with Edgeworth and Pearl and Gumshoe? the feel of, like, cold, bloody metal against the yeah. inside of my shirt. <laughs> But no, she said, she mentions like me and Pearl and Gumshoe used to have so much fun on crime scenes. And and she says, can't forget Gumshoe. And I'm like, how dare you? How dare you speak his name here? <laughs> She's the only one who's allowed to, though. I know, but they like, keep referencing him in all these games, but they never once utter his name. <laughs> she Yeah. And I just really wish that, like, if you're going to bring him up, you're going to bring him up or are you just going to? Like, come on. I swear to God, the next time we get Gumshoe at this rate with Ace Attorney, he's gonna be dead. And I don't like this. <laughs> I don't want that. No, no, no one wants it. I don't think they would ever do that. They, I don't think they could kill Gumshoe on us. But, like, that's what it feels like. Like, you want him? You want him? Too bad he's dead. Like, that's something oh. Easter would do about somebody else. But yeah. it hurts. Yeah. Well, that was fun. Good recap. Uh the fuck are we gonna do next month <laughs> well anime expo news and we always have good old anime versus plausible to carry us through anything i guess yeah, yeah. so uh hey everybody tell us what you thought about this case yeah tell us what you thought about the whale case tell us what you want us to talk about because we definitely can use it <laughs> um send anime versus plausible we could use those as well um we got some emails that we can go through, but, uh, you know, the more the merrier, because it is the drought, and hopefully Anime Expo will give us something. Anything. Info on the Switch game? Info about the franchise, even? Like, I'm desperate. Anything. New merch that's Japan only? That, that I'm a little less thirsty for. But investigations too localized would be good. Like, I take that. Well, the other thing we can try and do, us-wise, is we could try and watch that live-action movie, or we could try and play investigations, too. Possibly. These are options. Let us know what you want us to do. Yeah, what do you want us to do? Send us an email. I know everyone wants us to play investigations, too. We can see how that goes. We can see if it happens. We'll see. Uh, but hey, send us an email at objectothispodcast at gmail.com. Or Jesse monitors the Tumblr, kind of. Yeah, mostly. At objectothis.tumblr.com. Um, you can find us on iTunes or Podcast Garden at, at podcastgarden.com slash podcast slash objectothis. Yeah. There's an Instagram that hasn't been used since that one giveaway. Man, I forgot about the Instagram. Mm, that's my bad. Wow, I forgot too. (laughs) (laughs) I I mean, I have to generate a lot of original content then, and I just don't have it. (laughs) There's only so much. Anyway, but there, yeah, there is an Instagram, so that exists. Um, 
Anyway, uh, thanks Dark Shadow Rage 2 off the YouTube for our use of our theme song, uh, Hey Pal Detective Gumshoe Remix. Thanks Michelle for garbage at the end of this. <laughs> and uh, thank you all for listening. Rate and review us on iTunes. That always helps us out. Um, bumps us up on iTunes and also just makes us feel good. Yep. You could just write cheesy angles. That still gets me upset. <laughs> <laughs> to be quite I, can't believe, I can't believe you brought that up yourself. I just... Sometimes think about it. And then I <laughs> Write yourself a note upset. in our iTunes reviews about what what your day was like so that if you get 51st date syndrome, you'll be able to remember. And also five stars. <laughs> five stars. Would draw a shitty pterodactyl here if they let me. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, so yeah, in the meantime, I'm Stephanie. I'm Jesse. I'm Michelle. And that was object to this, so why don't you object to that? Sure, I can stay, but there's a place I'd rather be And I'm high, how to drive away from all the mess you made You said the story came, now it won't go away And I promised I'd be there, but you don't make it easy Darling, please believe me Cause loving you, loving you is too hard All I do, all I do is not in love Loving you, loving you, I cannot be loving you, loving you